Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson and Ray Pritchard, raising Kansas City, Kansas. Fred and I are in Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, headquarters here of AFR, and then Steve Jordahl is in studio. Hello, with, with Fred and me. Fred and I, Fred and me. I have. I think with I have us. to point Fred something out though that you often mention. Yeah, it's supposed to be Paisley Jordahl. Yeah, I call him Steve Paisley Jordahl. But but he's he seems to have abandoned he's, this. His affinity for Paisley. It's I've worn it uh, at least twice this week. I think. <laughs> The Paisley design, Paisley's yeah, he has. Point, he's worn a couple, but it, not every day. He's not every day. No. He does that to throw you off. Yeah. So we'll call him not everyday yeah. Paisley. Not everyday <laughs> Steve. Not everyday Paisley. <laughs> call me whatever you want. Yeah. Just don't call me late for dinner. Ah, I like that. <laughs> um. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. So, uh, what's what's in your stack of news over there, Steve? I Please. thought we'd start with something a little fun, right? You were talking uh, last hour with my friend and former colleague Tim Gegline. And he mentioned that um, the college said the young people these days cannot pass a citizenship test, right? So I brought in a citizenship test. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. We're in trouble already. And try to embarrass us, are you, Steve? It has 100 (laughs) questions. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you all to pick a number. are 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 you for real? I am. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to pick a number between 1 and 100. All right, go. I'll ask you the question and then uh, see if you get the answer. Tim, the number between 1 and 100. Uh, 33. 33. As he... I shouldn't have stapled these things together. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who signs bills to become law? Executive. President or governor? The president. Yes. Yes. Uh, Fred, number between 1 and 100. Number one. Number one. What's the supreme <laughs> law of the land? What's the supreme law of the land? Yes. What, the supreme lawmaker? I, I need an explanation. It just says, what is the supreme law of Here the land? Go, that's Fred. the question. That's the answer. Okay, the Constitution. Ah, very good. Okay. <laughs> Ray, I need a number between one and 100. 72. 72. All right. No. Um, Here we go. Name one war fought by the United States in the 1800s. The, the, the War of 1812? That's one. Does that count? Yes, it does. Well, sure. <laughs> oh, why wouldn't uh, it? <laughs> okay. How about, how, about, then how about the Spanish-American War, 1898? That's that two. There's two more, actually. Well, the, it, there's a civil war in there the somewhere? C- civil war was in the 1800s, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. And, and you know what the other one is? One? You only had to name no. one. The Mexican-American War. When, when was that? Yeah, when was that? It doesn't give me dates. Is that the, the Alamo, Alamo that, right? The Alamo, Alamo, the Alamo and the yeah. stuff after the yeah. Alamo, right? Okay. Brent, oh, we got it. The, uh, Brent doesn't want to play. Okay. <laughs> uh, he can't. doesn't have time. Uh, all right, so we scored well. Yeah, you guys did okay. We did, we did good. We helped the Canadian out a little That's bit right. here. Canadian <laughs> I had to have an explanation. That's true. Yeah, yeah, you needed a <laughs> yes. He's a Canadian. He does, he, well, did you have to pass one of these? Uh, citizenship test? No, oh, you're green, not a citizen. Not, not for green card. That's no. right. No. Right. All right. And you only, uh, what's interesting for citizenship, you only need to pass 60%. I think 60% is, is what you need. So 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so we all made it. Y'all did. Yeah. Y'all, yes. y'all did okay. We, we came sliding in. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I, I'm kind of <laughs> amazed that the Civil War was the third choice of the wars in the 1800s. Well, um, I think what, what was I what think, was the first one? 1812. You, or, you yeah. said the War of 1812. Okay. Uh, may right. I suggest what my brother Ray may have been thinking? What? Uh, are, are you talking external wars? Or are you talking about internal wars? Because both. Are, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so if you didn't include internal wars, which was the only one, was a civil war. Right. Right. Somehow, when it said wars during the 1800s, it. In my mind, it sounds like a trick question somehow. Well, it's not, right? Okay. Uh, 1812 is a pretty good answer. <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. Um, let's talk about the uh, COVID uh, virus. Um, we can't get enough of that. I Steve. know, right? Yeah. So uh, we've been questioning the – there have become questions uh, arisen of the safety of this virus and there's been suspicions that uh safety of the virus of the i'm sorry the vaccines uh, let me start over there's been questions about the safety of the vaccines and um there's been some suspicion that uh some of the medical decisions that have been made like not allowing hydroxychloroquine or or ivermectin and those kind of things is because they don't hold patents you can't make money off of those um, medicines. You can off of the other ones that the CDC and NIH were recommending. Well, <laughs> our uh, friends over at Veritas, Project Veritas, uh, had an undercover meeting. The The gentleman did not know that he was being uh, filmed. And um, this is, Veritas was having a discussion with Jordan Tristan Walker, He's Pfizer's director of research and development. And I want you to have, I this is listen closely. I've cleaned this up, but it's still a little hard to hear. I want you to hear what he is what he the research and development director is is saying. For Pfizer. For Pfizer. Cut five. Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No. You know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can focus on developing vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating viruses. be, like, very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something that, like, you know, goes everywhere. I saw that last night. <clears throat> that was shocking mm-hmm. uh, to hear him talk like that. Again, he didn't know he was being taped. It sounds like it's at a bar or a restaurant, restaurant a, lot yeah. of, a lot of crowd noise in the back. Uh, but he, and he's talking, uh, he, he, he uh, I don't know who he's, who he's conversing with. A project Veritas undercover. Under, undercover. Reporter, right? Well, um, so, but what he's saying there is that Pfizer had talk, had had discussions, and he would know. He is discussing, I think. Let's let's hear it again. Let's hear it again. This is the this is the clip. 
Pfizer ultimately is thinking about mutating COVID? Well, that is not what we say to the public. No. You know how the virus keeps mutating? Yeah. Well, one of the things we're exploring is, like, why don't we just mutate it ourselves so we can both develop new vaccines, right? So we have to do that. If we're going to do that, though, there's a risk of, like, as you could imagine, no one wants to be having a pharma company mutating viruses. Be, like, very controlled to make sure that this virus that you mutate doesn't create something like, you know, okay. stones everywhere. What are you, what are you saying? What's the gentleman's name again? His name is Jordan Tristan Walker. What's his title? Pfizer's Director of Research and Development. Wow. Okay. You don't get any higher than that, probably, uh, than, the not, C- yeah. than the CEO. Yeah. And he says, to un- he says, I'm annoyed that he's been taped again. He says, why don't we, we've, we, why don't we uh, mutate it ourselves? Yeah. We've talked about that. It's what he's talking, what he's yeah. saying here at the company here is so that we could create a vaccine it's like an endless uh string of vaccines every mutation needs its own vaccine all right cash cow all right fred this this sounds like it sounds sinister and it sounds vulgar i mean the way he's talking in terms not not that he did use an expletive there that we cut out but i'm talking about by vulgar i mean talking about creating more disease so that <clears throat> we can have something that fixes it i'm not laughing because it's funny that we make money off of is there a possible reasonable explanation for that for him saying that the way he did that maybe i don't i don't get uh i don't i well i can't I, believe i can't believe somebody in his position would talk like that with with his, even his wife i mean i <laughs> much less somebody at a bar that's huh? for sure uh, I, I mean, and listening to this, it, it sounds like a script from a crazy movie. I know. Where you have a mad scientist right. who says, let's create a problem and we can benefit because we'll create a solution and make a whole lot more money. And then we'll go on and we'll mutate and we'll mutate and mutate. And then we'll have to bring in new vaccines, new vaccines, new vaccines. Okay. There's one of two things. He was joking with this guy. Hey, yeah, we're all crazy. I was waiting know. for the laughter or something. Like yes. Because it does sound like a joke. But what's really scary, if he was serious, if around the the office they discuss this kind of thing at Pfizer, if, if, if that is true, that's really scary. Yeah, right. What do you think about this? One of the more bizarre conversations I have ever heard uh, yeah, it is. It would be, as Steve said, it's a cash cow. You you mutate, you make a vaccine, you make another billion dollars, and so on. Surely this is a joke. Surely at Big Pharma, surely at Pfizer, they're not seriously talking about doing this. Because if they are, that sounds almost almost criminal to talk about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see today if Pfizer issues any kind of a comment. <clears throat> I'm looking on their website right now, and they haven't issued one yet at this point. Well, they need to. Yeah. They need to because... Our ex-director of research and development didn't know what he was talking about. It, sound, it sounded like, uh, you know, a joke uh, that would be told when people drink three beers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the guy goes, yeah, we talked about uh, mutating it ourselves so that we could... Create a vaccine for it. Ha, 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 ha. Knowing that just sounds so, that's so ridiculous that it couldn't, couldn't possibly be true. So sinister. Yeah. I I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see if there's any more, 
Is if there's a comment from Pfizer today, or if this fella here uh, keeps his job, or yeah. I don't know. That's uh, but that was Project Veritas, um, an undercover uh, videotape. Next story, Steve. All right, there's a fight in Congress over uh, how we're going to pay our debt, the debt ceiling. Um, we're not the, gonna pay our debt. Well <laughs> matter of rephrase that. Uh how we're going how we're gonna spend money that we've budgeted. Yeah, there you go. And uh the term is they're gonna raise the debt ceiling. And the president is saying we're not we're gonna raise the debt ceiling, you're gonna raise the debt ceiling, and we're not gonna negotiate about it. It's just gonna get done. And Rand Paul, who is a senator from Kentucky, Republican has a little something else to say about that. He's not so sure that that's what's going to happen. Listen to cut six. President Biden says he won't negotiate over raising the debt ceiling. I have news for him. He absolutely will negotiate. Conservatives will not vote to raise the debt ceiling. The majority in the House, Republican majority in the House, will not vote to raise the debt ceiling without significant budget reform. The greatest threat to our country is and the greatest threat to our national security is the debt. One of the great things about where we are now, though, is it really doesn't take as much as you would think to actually balance the budget. If we were to have a $100 billion cut, which would still have a spending way more than we spent before COVID, a $100 billion cut and free spending, we would balance our budget in just four years. There you he, go. He, he said F-R-E-E-Z-E. -E. Yes. Not F-R-E-E. -E. Freeze our spending. Freeze yeah. our spending. Um, yeah. So, well, what the – he mentions our, our biggest threat to national security. <clears throat> well, not, what none of us uh, want to see happen, obviously, is economic calamity come to our country uh, by way of uh, – our our debt getting we're at thirty one thirty two trillion something like that. That's our which we'll never pay back. That's forget that. But if it keeps growing, to say who who knows where the uh, where the place is along the debt line that you at some point uh, you can't pay the interest on it. That's what I, that's, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So if that happens, then you know, does that mean the uh, world's currency is no longer going to be the dollar? Uh, does that mean uh, the Great Depression? Uh, I mean, there's, there's, it's a bad place to think about being, and, and unless, unless, as I said before, unless the United States federal government can borrow money endlessly because we have printing machines, maybe that's the argument that Democrats would make. Well, there's no need to cut because we can borrow as much money as we want to, and it's hard to argue with that when you go to 31 trillion and there's no <laughs> there's no uh, obvious repercussions from that. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, so, but but uh, Rand Paul is saying that Biden will negotiate because if he doesn't, the debt ceiling won't be raised. Right. Is it going to be a battle? Anyway, uh, not, this is not my favorite topic yeah. to talk we'll move, about. We can move on. Other Republican senators have said would they they will not allow the United States to default on its loans. We'll keep paying the interest at least on this. So, uh, and I'm talking senators like Senator Kennedy of Louisiana, um, and several other senators. So there'll be the showdown. Listen, this country has been through this. This is a endless cycle we've been through now for many years. And somehow 
you can go up to, I think, about June this year is, is kind of a deadline. And before June, they'll do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they will. <clears throat> because if you default, it's uh, – you can't. You okay. can't default. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, Fred, you brought a story to me this morning I think is just amazing. It's uh, There's a Fox correspondent. His name is Benjamin Hall, who was wounded – in uh, combat, and he's written a book. The book is called Saved, a War Reporter's Mission to Come Home. And, uh, Fred, tell uh, tell us what his, what his story is. We have a, a clip of this. Yeah, Ben, um, if you were watching the early days of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, he was one of the first reporters on the scene for Fox. He's a Brit, uh, lives in England. I guess he's a freelance contractor to Fox. And he found himself basically on the front lines of the battle covering this story. And what happened to him, he was in a vehicle with another reporter and a cameraman. And uh, the Russian shells started landing very near the vehicle to the point uh, where basically uh, these three individuals, including Ben, were left unconscious. And they were in this vehicle. And what happened was he, he was basically out of it completely, but he, he talks about in the, in the midst of that darkness in his mind, he heard a voice. Yeah. And the voice was one of his daughters. He has three little girls. And basically that voice says, Daddy, you've got to get out of that car. You want to hear it? Yes, I'd love to hear that. This is uh, Benjamin Hall reading from his book, Cut 10. The first explosion tore through a stand of pine birch trees a few feet away and we'd barely turned to look before the second bomb whistled overhead and landed right next to us and everything went dark. If I had the slightest iota of consciousness, it was a distant sense of shockwaves and the feeling that every part of my body, bones, organs, sinew, my soul had been knocked out of me. I did not exist, except as part of the nothingness. I was all but dead. But then, improbably, out of this crippling nothingness, a figure came through and I heard a familiar voice, as real as anything I'd ever known. Daddy, you've got to get out of the car. And in that, in that moment when it happened, I was totally out. I was very badly injured. I'd had shrapnel in the eye and in, in the throat. And I saw my own daughters, my young daughters, and they brought me back and I found the strength. I opened my eyes and I managed to crawl out of the car. And then the third bomb hit the car itself. And if it weren't for them bringing me back, there's no way I would be here today. Yeah, his photojournalist, the other reporter, were yeah. killed in that, in that last explosion there. And he has undergone months and months of rehabilitation. He lost a leg. He lost the foot on the other leg, badly burned. He had shrapnel in his eye. Lost one eye. And so uh, it is an incredible story. Uh, the occasion of this particular interview this morning, he's launching a, a brand new book uh, yeah. that, he's, that he's got out there. Yeah. I have nothing but profound respect for reporters who put their bodies in harm's way to bring uh, stories of what's going on on the battlefield. Boy. Ray, that's a pretty amazing story, right? It seems to me that you, you hear a story like that and you have to believe that there's a God in heaven yeah. who, who worked it out. Mm-hmm. So the voices came to him, and, and he realized, I've got to get out of here, and I've got to get out now to save my own life. And I, I think that's uh, the Lord sends his angels yeah. at a moment like that, Steve. Yeah. And uh, Here's makes what, me believe even more. Yeah. 
Lord sends his angels, but isn't it interesting, the voice that he heard was of his daughter. Yes. Now, could God <laughs> give the voice of his little girl to that well, At least it wasn't a donkey. <laughs> and daddy, get out of there. I couldn't imagine a, a, a voice that would inspire me more to want right. to get out of yes. the vehicle. Exactly. Than my daughter. Credible story. I guess yeah. it should say, if God can use a donkey. Yeah. 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 Right. Can, we yeah. shouldn't be surprised. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. All right, Steve. All got right. five minutes. All right. Hey, <laughs> there was an interesting thing that happened at a college basketball game last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People, you're not going to believe this. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, Loyola of Chicago was playing Duquesne, and uh, they're in the middle of this game, and all of a sudden, um, Something happens. It's uh, the game is interrupted. I want you to hear the radio call. Uh, this is cut eleven. Somebody came on the floor on the far side, <laughs> looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something. There is carrying some McDonald's. Oh, this has to be one of the all-time. Uh, I'm actually not kidding. No, I, no, I this think, is the I truth. I think that's what's happening. This guy's in the corner. It looked like he maybe, was he going to deliver the the McDonald's to somebody on the court. Can we rule that out? <laughs> I mean, I think that's an Uber Eats sticker. Is that I, what that is? I'm trying to get confirmation. I, yeah. Uber Eats, yes. Maybe I'll put my hand up. I'm getting a little hungry. You can bring it over here. So we saw the stoppage. The, the man was ushered. Let's see if we can see this. Now, this is going to be the turnover in the There court. he is. There, right there, there in the corner. Like, yay, yay. So this a, guy's actually, who's he delivering it to? The ref. The, the, the ref said later. Give it to me later. Not I mean, now. Philip Alston's done a lot. I didn't think he needed a Big Mac for sustenance in the middle of the game. I know, but I'm not, well, the official out there, Tim, he, he distanced him like, I didn't say now. <laughs> later. <laughs> That's not a comedy routine right there. No. That's not Abbott Costello doing uh, what happened was I saw the video. I don't know if we posted it on our Facebook page, but the, the video, uh, the, the Uber Eats, I don't know if the guy just doesn't know about <laughs> basketball, so he doesn't know I'm not supposed to walk. So during the middle of the game, he walks out on the court to hand the food to the referee who had ordered Uber Eats, right? Uh, we don't know if it's the referee. We don't? No, we don't. Oh, that was the, that was like was, the radio announcers were The radio saying? announcers were having a little fun with it. Okay. But I suppose uh, <laughs> if, I was, if there was a huge crowd and I was oblivious to a basketball game going on, I'd get to center court and say, who ordered this McDonald's? Raise yeah. your hand. How are you going to find it in a crowd of thousands at the game? Anyway, I don't think the young man has been to many basketball games. That's what games. I'm thinking. <laughs> he doesn't know he's not supposed to go out on the court. He was right. Yeah, he was right on the edge of the right, court. The right. referee is there like, right. screaming, get off right. the court. Get off the And he's the, the Uber guy is kind of stunned. Like, yeah. I just want to deliver this bag of McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> just doing my job, sir. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know. I think it was Chris Woodward that was saying if he were Uber, he would own this. This is the extent to which we're, our delivery right, driver would right. go to get you your food. When we deliver, we deliver. we deliver. That's right. <laughs> uh, right to the court, right during the game. It was a great moment. Yeah. It really was. Uh, anyway, what, what was he delivering? He had a McDonald's It, it was bag McDonald's. Or, yeah. I, I don't know if it was fries or a Big Mac or Happy Meal. But what, was it? By the, the way. Was it their thing, we do it all for you? Uh, well, have, well, have it your way is Burger, Burger King, King, right? They yeah. brought that back, by the way. Oh, did Heard they? That. Yeah. Mm. At, they call it uh, at BK. Yeah. They're giving it a cool new name. All this food talk is making me hungry. <laughs> me too, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Big Mac about right now. <laughs>
All right. Uh, thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Uh, Fred, thank you. Good Ray, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Our thanks to Brent, Creeley, our producer, Chris Woodward, Tim Gaglin. Uh, is that all? Is that all the folks that were on the show today? Yeah, and Brent did a pretty good KJP yeah. there. Yeah, he did. The show. He referred me to. Yes. Uh, some agency. <laughs> all right. Uh, have a great day, everybody. Trivia Friday tomorrow. Keep listening to American Family Radio. Take care.